We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, no one goes to bat for Lamar Jackson quite like his former teammate Robert Griffin III does. And since transitioning from player to ESPN analyst, RG3 has made it a point to back number eight when he sees fit. And this week was no exception when Steve Young called some of his reporting into question. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host Sarah Ellison. It's Thursday, January 19th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. Marcus Spears gives Lamar Jackson bad advice by telling him to forfeit $45 million if he doesn't get a deal he wants. I'll break all of that down ahead. Plus, we should learn of offensive coordinator Greg Roman's fate later this afternoon when John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta conduct their annual end-of-season press conference. We'll detail some reported rumblings on that in Topic 3. Yeah, we have all that and more coming up. Thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news in about 15 minutes. So, Bobby, former Ravens quarterback Robert Griffin III, who's now serving as an analyst for ESPN, took a stand on behalf of his former teammate during a recent segment of Monday Night Countdown. Yeah, so as we both know, RG3 spent three years in Baltimore from 2018 to 2020, and not only does he still remain in touch with Lamar Jackson himself, but he also still has relationships around the organization. I talked to people in the building today, and this relationship is salvageable. The reason Lamar Jackson didn't travel to the football game was because he was sick. They, they, they diagnosed him, said that he was sick. He didn't go on the trip. Now, he has traveled at other times this year to away games, but he's also stayed behind at times so that he can get extra rehab in. So this narrative about Lamar Jackson that people are weaponizing, saying he didn't go out there on the field because he wasn't wanting to put on a, on a line for his teammates or he, he wants a new contract, I just feel like that's wrong. Well, what about this comment that you just tweet? I mean, what do you? How do you make of that then? Yeah, I mean, what, what I'm what's saying, he saying? What what Lamar? I can't speak for Lamar Jackson, but what I can he, say, he can speak for himself. He, he says you don't appreciate for himself. Me. He, but I don't think that's what he's saying. What he's saying is, listen, he's not healthy. That's the bottom line. You just listened to Marlon Humphrey right. talk about how Lamar's limping around the facility. He's not healthy enough to go play. So people weaponizing that and trying to make it about something else, I just feel is wrong. And partner, I know we both agree here. It is wrong. But let's start here. How about the conclusions that Steve Young is jumping to in the first part of that segment? 
He's referring to the Instagram story that Lamar reposted to his account with this quote, remember? When you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you got something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you too, close quote. Now, Steve clearly believes this cryptic message is Lamar saying that the team doesn't appreciate him, while RG3, on the contrary, he's making it abundantly clear, having spoken to Lamar, that he feels as if it's really just Lamar saying he isn't physically capable of playing due to his knee injury. Yeah, Bobby, they are literally ignoring RG3's reporting after talking to Lamar and the team. They want to believe the juicy narrative rather than the evidence right in front of them. And also, Bobby, I got to be honest about this. This upcoming clip, it also rubbed me the wrong way. Listen to Adam Schefter, who's, by the way, supposed to be the national reporter with sources amongst this panel. Listen to him drive speculation on the narrative that Lamar kept himself sidelined as a contract negotiation tactic. Well, it can be, it can be that he's not healthy. And it could also be that there's a feeling amongst people across the league, which there is, that he's boycotting them. There's that feeling that's out there, whether it's right or wrong. And he can be hurt and they can believe that there are other motives. Both can be right. He's posting messages like that. Yes, they both can't be right. They can't both be right. Why not? They can't both be right. Listen, if Lamar had a contract, would anybody be up here saying he's boycotting and not playing? Well, no, they would say he's hurt and he's not playing the football game. Lamar Jackson has a grade two PCL. Why is everything about Lamar that coming from Lamar is saying I'm not happy? I'm being neglected. I'm not healthy. I'm not. I'm being neglected. He's saying that I'm not healthy. He's saying I'm not. I'm and, no. and that message he's saying right I'm being see, neglected. What I see is and you should appreciate me. If you don't, I might not be able to Listen, help. Guys, I've got the Both, personal. Got? I've got the personal experience of playing with no ACL and no LCL. I went out there, put it on the line for my brothers and the team. No one was there to no, no, tell you're, you're me, confusing. "Hey, you can't do this." Confusing it's not confusing issue. that he's hurt. We believe that he's hurt. Yes. Why is but, he adding fuel to the fire? We understand he's hurt. We stipulate to that fact. He's adding fuel. Why to is fire. he adding to the fire? Sarah, I'm not convinced that Steve actually believes Lamar is hurt. And with all due respect to one of the game's greats, and I know you're a big fan, as am I, I thought he came across as condescending, out of touch, and honestly, flat out inconsistent throughout much of these segments. And I go back to the question RG3 posed to the whole panel. He said, if Lamar had a contract, would anyone be up here saying he was boycotting and not playing? No. They would say he's hurt and not playing the football game. And at that point, if they were looking at it in that light, then maybe they would then think this repost was about, I don't know, maybe taking care of his body. Who knows? It could mean a million things. But back to Shafter here, Bobby, because I, I still have a bone to pick there. Four days prior to this segment, which was aired on Monday night, Lamar took to Twitter and set the record straight by divulging the severity and specifics of his PCL strain. Now, the way Adam brings up the boycotting narrative around the league essentially dismisses the medical specifics that Lamar himself outlined in his tweet. Schefter's also ignoring numerous teammates, saying they said this on Monday, that they knew that Lamar wouldn't play based on how he was limping around. Bobby, we played all those sound bites during Wednesday morning's vault. 
And instead of quoting Marlon Humphrey saying that Lamar was only 50 to 60% himself, most of the panel flew right past that and instead overanalyzed an IG repost? Are you serious? When prominent members of the national media refuse to take Lamar and his teammates by their word, it opens the door for so many others to follow suit. Yeah, that's well said. And there's one more clip from this segment, which includes RG3's closing argument, along with Steve Young's big picture thoughts on Lamar. Having talked to Lamar and people inside the organization, what I'm saying is that the relationship is salvageable. I, 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 that's it's salvageable to me if the look, this is the best thing that Ravens have ever happened to them is Lamar Jackson. Yes. yes. And uh, if they want it to be salvageable, then why we say Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, even Justin Herbert, we don't say Lamar. Well, we should say Lamar. In fact, I believe that Lamar could be the best of all of them, but he right. needs to be developed to be that person and run an offense that he can. Look, they want the most sophisticated. I, I, I feel like a broken record. But no, no, most, no, no. You, 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 most sophisticated running game in history. They run it. It's amazing. Unbelievable coaching. But how about leaning in to in the AFC, as I said many times, you win a Super Bowl. Let, let's develop Lamar Jackson. I think that tweet tells me I want to be... Joe, I want to be in that mix. I want to be that guy. And I want the receivers. I want the coaching. I want the push right. to go yeah. be that person. Steve, I, I think everybody can take what they want out of the message. And that's part of sending out tweets and letting Correct. it be interpreted by everyone. But to me, the bottom line is Lamar Jackson wasn't healthy. That message to we me get that. That out we, we get that. So, no, us, so listen, it, we have a responsibility not just to the players and to our network, but to the, the fans out there watching yes. not to weaponize stories and make it seem like he's not playing the game because of a No, I, I didn't even say that. So, Bobby, <laughs> as much as I don't like what these guys were saying on this panel, obviously minus RG3, with all that we just heard and reacted to in mind, I don't want to completely dismiss what I think, and this is just me speculating, but what I think Adam and, and Booger and Steve are all trying to get at. And that's that the Ravens and Lamar Jackson are not 100% on the same page. So I'm not going to pretend everything is sunshine and rainbows between them. The two sides are obviously at odds over contract details, especially guaranteed money. So they're not on the same page. The problem with these guys and much of the rest of the media is they're dramatizing it. And then they're pitting the Ravens Lamar against one another. And that leads to people painting one side as the evil side and the other side is the good side. It's really not that dramatic. People can disagree about business and still have respect for one another. And as far as I can tell from all the evidence that I've seen, both sides still do have respect for one another. I don't sense toxicity or anger, all this drama that the media is putting out. Yeah, I would agree. And why don't we even take it another layer deeper while we're at it? Because the second area where we don't believe Lamar and the front office are in lockstep with one another is how he handles himself on social media. Jeff Zriebeck detailed in his piece in The Athletic Tuesday multiple posts by Lamar that, in his words, have exasperated team officials. Jeff said the WTF tweet from Lamar when the team traded Hollywood Brown on draft night, quote, struck a nerve because the team had been upfront with him about that from the jump. Now, Jeff also mentioned the vulgar tweet Lamar had when he responded to a fan after this past season's loss to Jacksonville. He later went on to delete it, as we know. And then finally, Jeff said the team didn't know about the tweet that Lamar put out about his PCL injury 
before the wild card playoff on that Thursday night when he broke his silence. All right. So in the end, I just don't think the team or media or fans are used to Lamar's approach to social media. The Ravens and Bobby, let's be honest, pretty much any business out there, they're very careful about what they post. Social media strategies are scrutinized nonstop in boardrooms. Companies pay multiple full-time employees to handle it. That's not how Lamar approaches it. He tweets when he feels the need, like he did with that injury update. But I also think, per, <laughs> I get this feeling, I think that Lamar likes to troll a little bit. Now, if you'll remember, he was asked in training camp back in July about why over the offseason he was responding more often to people on Twitter. Okay, and this was Lamar's reply. He said, quote, I just respond. They want conversation. I just give them a little conversation here and there. But it really isn't anything, though. It's not serious, close quote. And that's the bottom line. He doesn't take it as seriously as some want to take this. So you can either laugh along with him or you can get trolled like Adam, Booger, and Steve, this entire panel pretty much. It's really not as serious as they were making it seem to be, Sarah. And let's be honest, the real issue in play here is the contract. That's the elephant in the room. That's what's hanging over both sides' heads. And of course, the two sides obviously aren't on the same page as of yet. But shouldn't we be able to discuss that fact without dramatizing it? Yes, yes, we should. Still to come here on The Vault, Marcus Spears doled out some, well, terrible advice for Lamar. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Sarah, so we just spent a good chunk of time there addressing some terrible analysis from ESPN pundits regarding Lamar, and now what do we got on deck? More bad advice from an ESPN pundit, so a little bit of back-to-back here. What's going on? Yeah, listen, I hate to pick on the network. You know, a lot of these guys are good at what they do, but sometimes I I just personally think they get it wrong, and that's the case here with former Ravens player Marcus Spears. Now, that was when he was asked – a hypothetical question from Mike Greenberg on their morning show, Get Up. If the Ravens say to Lamar Jackson at some point this offseason, we're not trading you, we're not giving you the guaranteed contract, here's the franchise tag, what should he do? Go to Cabo. 
Mm-hmm. Go to Cabo and relax. Like you can hit a bunch but, of islands. But, but, a bunch of them. <laughs> all right. But but here's the thing, G. Like we talked about yesterday, you cannot. If you're Lamar Jackson, you can't afford to gamble again, mm. right? And what have we talked about on this show? Well, he's missed five games the last two seasons. So the Ravens are going to try to use that leverage. Lamar leverage is okay. Don't sign me. I'm not playing. Blow up the whole thing. Right. The question for the Ravens is this: Are you willing? To reset yourself for four or five years of not winning and having a chance to get to a championship. That's the question. That's what Lamar, as Lamar's own agent, should say to the Ravens. I see how you built this. By your own default, this is what you decided to do because you drafted me. So obviously a couple of things to unpack there. But Sarah, we should probably start with Greeny's hypothetical question. It has a built-in faulty premise, I think. You know, given Eric DaCosta's history... I just don't see him looking at Lamar Jackson in the eye and saying, we refuse to trade you. Like, just look at his recent track record. Tight end Hayden Hurst asked for a trade. EDC obliged. And last year, as we've already documented, Hollywood Brown requested a trade. And once again, EDC made it happen. We haven't even talked about Orlando Brown Jr. from a couple of years ago as well. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. But these national reporters, I just feel like they're just not as plugged into the nuances of each team like that. So if Marcus Spears knew the makeup of this Ravens front office, he would have rejected the premise of the question and said something to the effect of, if Lamar Jackson doesn't like the offer the Ravens had put on the table, he should then demand a trade. That would be what I would have done knowing what the front office has done in recent history. And Bobby, a trade would be a far better scenario for Lamar than just chilling in Cabo and not playing football at all. And here's why. The exclusive franchise tag is worth $45 million. $45 million. And so to put that in perspective, that's 40% more than what Lamar has earned during his entire NFL career, which is about $32.5 million through five seasons. Why would he tell him just to leave that money on the table when obviously the Ravens honor requests for trade? Marcus is basically saying like, yo, go chase zero dollars next season. (laughs) What? Like He might be blowing up the team's plans, as Spears says, but it's also blowing himself up too in the meantime. So not only would he forfeit all that money, but he's letting one of his prime years as a 26-year-old go to waste along with obviously two, perhaps a shot at a playoff berth and then ultimately a Super Bowl run if everything were to go well. And that's with whatever team he's on, by the way, too, even if it isn't in Baltimore. So this is the media once again, taking things to an extra level for whatever reason. Yeah. And and here's my thinking on it. To me, Bobby, the first priority for both sides is to get a deal done in Baltimore, which as RG3 said, after talking to Lamar and the team is still a possibility. If that can't get done, The second priority is for Lamar to play somewhere with a deal that he wants, which most likely would come via a tag and trade. The third priority would be to play on that $45 franchise tag because he's making money and playing ball. And I'm sure that there are some other options here that I'm not thinking of, but sitting in Cabo for an entire year earning no money is all the way down at the bottom of the priority list. All right, Bobby, today will likely be the day we learn what offensive coordinator Greg Roman's future holds 
as John Harbaugh and Eric DeCoster are scheduled to hold their annual end-of-season press conference at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Yeah, Sarah, this one's going to be one of those can't-miss press conferences on a number of levels. Expect a heavy dose of questions related to Giro and, of course, Lamar Jackson's future with the organization early and often. And ESPN's Jeremy Fowler got the conversation started recently reporting that People around the NFL are watching how things play out with Greg Roman closely as, quote, questions persist about whether his four-year run as a play caller has run its course, close quote. Yeah, and Bobby, we both know those questions have been persistent and loud here in Baltimore, especially in recent weeks. And as we shared with you earlier this week, the Athletics' Jeff Zrebeck recently tweeted that he believes the team has an option this year on Greg's contract. So if John Harbaugh does want to part ways, he wouldn't have to officially fire Giro. he just not opt into another season. Which is part of why I'm expecting a, quote, we've decided to mutually part ways answer from Harbs when he's inevitably asked about Greg's future early on in the conference. You know, Sarah, Greg has done a lot of great things in Baltimore, and he should be recognized for doing such. Like, the Ravens have the most sophisticated rushing offense in the NFL. We know this, and it works. It's proven to work. The way he uses his linemen, particularly guards and pulling schematics, opens up all kinds of holes, and he really does have a creative philosophy when it comes to the ground game overall. He was also one of the masterminds behind that magical regular season run in 2019, which of course went on to become Lamar's MVP year and the season that Baltimore set a new NFL single season rushing record with over 3,200 on the ground. Now, with all that said, he doesn't come without his flaws and something we've all watched play out year after year is the lack of a vertical passing attack. For how sophisticated his rushing system is, his passing system does come across as elementary at times, to use a phrase that, of course, Steve Smith Sr. famously coined on Giro. Wide receiver spacing and alignment have proven to be weaknesses within the offense, so much so it's become abundantly clear just how predictable passing plays can be for a defense when diagnosing. So, Sarah, not to get too deep into the weeds on items we've already discussed, but Things that really haunted him this year were red zone deficiencies, operational inconsistencies, especially with play clock management, situational awareness gaffes, and inexplicably abandoning personnel when trying to close out games. Exhibit A being J.K. Dobbins in Cincinnati in that wild card round. And Sarah, those areas are what, to me, will ultimately go down as Greg's biggest downfall in Baltimore. And before we fly some other quick news items, you need to know, beginning with TV ratings from the Ravens-Bengals playoff game on NBC. The contest averaged 28.6 million viewers, which was the most watched primetime Sunday show since the Super Bowl. Also, Roquan Smith was awarded the Butt Kiss Award as the 2022 top linebacker in the NFL. Now, he also won the award in 2017 while attending the University of Georgia. So he's just the fourth player ever to win it as both a college and professional athlete, joining Patrick Willis, Von Miller, and Luke Keekley. Here's Roquan's reaction when he was presented with the trophy from Matt Butkus 
via Ravens Productions. Absolutely, I'm very grateful to receive this, you know, receiving it in college uh, meant a lot to me, being recognized as the best and have a great deal of respect for your dad and the way he played the game and I try to admire some of that in my place. So this means a lot to me and I can't wait and put it up in my man cave. And finally, the Ravens signed fullback Ben Mason to a reserve future deal per Jeff Srebeck. Mason joined six others who signed similar contracts since the season ended, including wide receivers Shamar Bridges and Mike Thomas, guard John Simpson, outside linebacker Jeremiah Moon, defensive tackle Rashad Nichols, and defensive back Bo Pete Keys. Thanks for listening to The Morning Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. If you've been enjoying our content, please tap that follow button and share it with a friend. You can also catch us on YouTube by searching The Vault a podcast covering the Baltimore Ravens. And we'd love to hear from you with comments, questions, or if you'd be interested in advertising. You can reach us by email via BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. And that's all the time we've got today, but be sure to be on the lookout for our instant reaction episode following John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta's end-of-season press conference.